Lord, be with us today as we come in your presence to worship you. May each one of us have a heart open and ready to worship you. I pray in your name. Amen. When I was putting this message together and I heard that song, I said, man, that is just talking about worship and worshiping together and sitting down and the disciples get done eating and they sit back to listen to what the Lord is going to teach them. I thought, man, that is powerful. So the name of the, t- the, the sermon is Worship, and it was a little confusing with the scripture reading, but I wanted to leave it on a positive. In verse 11, it says, There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast in his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. So there's different types of worship. In verse 7, it says, He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the spring and the water. So what is worship? We are here today to worship, but what is worship? In the past quarter, we were studying it, and I came up with some different things. Webster has it as worthiness, respect, reverence, paid to a divine being, a person of importance, an act of expressing, expressing such reverence, extravagant respect or admiration or devotion to an object or esteem to perform or take part in the worship and the act of worship. These are all things that we do when we come together each week. The whole duty of we the people is to glorify God. We glorify God when we praise him. To praise or worship means to value our worth to someone or something. In other words, to worship. We worship through our praise. The more we know, the more we praise. The more we praise, the more we worship. I'm just embarrassed now. Some, uh, in the past uh, summer, I went downstairs for potluck, and I was enjoying myself. We were having some nice, nice conversation. And this lady blindsided me. She came in, and she sat down across the table, and was visiting a little bit, and all of a sudden she looked me right straight in the eyes. And she says, so Neil, how has God blessed you this week? I was not prepared for that. And I just, speechless. And I says, well, you know, I can give you a list of things that went wrong this week. But yeah, there was some positive things. And that just blew me away. How could she come and ask me that? But yet she was right. Why wasn't I prepared? I was more worried about dwelling on the negative than I was on the positive. And I appreciated her for that. As we all study the Bible, we find him, Christ, revealing himself in many ways in the Old Testament. 
And then we see Jesus Christ in action through the Gospels, above all, being quiet and contemplating. Of all that happened in the cross for us, we will always find ourselves responding in praise and thanksgiving. David in the Psalms reminds us that giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors God. Psalms fifty twenty three by by giving thanks by giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me. If you keep my to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. God's clear command in Deuteronomy six thirteen is that people who serve Him, you must fear the Lord your God and serve Him. When you take an oath, you must use only His name. Now, when God is saying, serve me and fear me, does he mean fear and trembling? No, it's more of a respect. But in order to serve, people need to be willing to step out of the limelight and play second fiddle. We as a church are not going to grow if we all look at the first chair fiddler. As we as a church are not... There is so much work to, to do behind the scenes. There is a saying, it matters more than tongue can tell to play the second fiddle well. There are so many second fiddle positions to fill. We all need to roll up our sleeves and have a go at it. If all of us would get involved, whether there is an, whether, wherever there is a need, all the needs would be met in, in, God, in God's church and it would be accomplished great things for us and for the kingdom of heaven. Are we in his way, holding up the process, just as we guide, just as we cannot guide a non-moving car? God cannot guide a non-moving Christian. It all starts with the servant's spirit. It's the heart. God will work, work this in human heart if we ask him. First fiddle or second fiddle, we need... We are needed in God's orchestra. I remember years ago in Green Bay, Pastor Fire Robin came and was giving a series of meetings. And he was, when he came, he was from Canada, and he was the, uh, it is written, speaker up there. And he came down and uh, did a really, really a nice job. The church was filled every, every night. And Pastor Clark was the, the senior pastor, and Pastor Fernando was the, the associate. And I was watching the dynamics as the evenings were going. And the Fire Robin was always up in, in the, on the pulpit giving the sermon, and, and Pastor Clark would introduce him and do the different things sitting in the front. And every night, Fernan, Pastor Fernando was sitting by someone different and just kind of working the crowd. And I said to him, I says, you know, I really appreciate what you're doing. He says, what do you mean? Says, you're watching the body language of these new people coming in and working with them, answering their questions, just making them feel comfortable. I says, what you're doing is, is as important as what Fire Robin's doing. You're making those people comfortable. And he looked at me and he says, I'm just doing my job. I says, yeah, but you're doing it well. He wasn't the one up in front, but yet he was an intricate part. Let's look at leadership. How do we know where to start? Do you have a plan? A workplace where the boss doesn't give anyone any title 
for fear that he may have to pay someone more money and take away his decision-making doesn't work well. But it helps when you do have someone, a co-worker or someone on the same wavelength, that has your back. God is sure to open the doors for his church and our hearts and lead us through prayer and studying his word when we ask for his guidance and leading, working out a plan. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourself. Those who just come into the organization and merely want to take over and run it? Not quite the way it should be. Philippians 2, 3. Don't be selfish. Don't live, the, live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Truly humble people compare themselves not with other people, but with, only with Jesus. They realize their sinfulness and understand their limitations. On the other hand, we also need to recognize our spiritual gifts and strengths and are willing to use them as Jesus directs us. A truly humble person will serve God in every capacity, even if that person doesn't feel particularly gifted in that area. How about the person who shows up every week to sharpen the pencils in the pew? Is that person truly a gifted pencil sharpener? Can you get a a degree for that? No, that person knows that that job needs to be done and shouldn't feel above the task or think that it's conserved their energy for something more fitting to their talents. We all need to gain the right perspective. Matthew 19.30 says, But many who seem to be important will not be the least important then. They will be the least important then. And those who are considered least here will be the greatest. To worship and praise, it takes humility to worship God. A prideful spirit, which is, in essence, a worship of self, cannot coexist in the praise of worship of our God. Got some different illustrations here in Second Chronicles. But after Uzzah became powerful, his pride led to this downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord, his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense in the altar of incense. In the altar of incense. So he was the king. He was the ruler. Why should I have to wait for a priest? I can go and do that. In verse 19, he got leprosy. This is out of Second Chronicles 26. And in verse 21, he died. But he still had his prideful spirit. He wasn't worshiping. Then in Second Chronicles thirty two twenty six, then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart. This is a different king, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come upon them during the days of Hezekiah. He had a prideful heart. He resolved his issues and accepted God as his leader. Romans ten, excuse me, Psalms ten four. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And then Proverbs 16.18, pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. And that's one of those misquoted verses that says pride goeth before the fall. It's just condensed down. True worship attributes worth to God. God is all-powerful. We are too weak. God is holy. 
God is our creator and savior. Worship and praise is the ultimate act of declaring that God is God and we are not. If we come to church today just because we think this is where we should be and we want others to see us here, is that truly worship? Just like we need oxygen to breathe, flowers need water to bloom, bread needs yeast to rise, we need each other to worship and worship together for the good of our church. We need to count the, count the suggestions of each other as valuable information. Ephesians 1.19 I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of this power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. Ephesians 3.16 I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. There is a very small piece of metal and plastic. There was in here. How powerful is this? I think everyone can see this. This is the key. I can take this key and put it in my pocket. And if I had a washer in there, I could walk around and people think I'd have some money. Or I can hang on to it and keep it quiet and just no one will even know I have it. But I can take this key, I can put it in the ignition and start it. And I can go 65 mile an hour. Or more. Someone mouth that, I won't say who. There is very little power in the key that fits into my car. But the key, with all its power, does not come to life without the key. The car doesn't come to life without putting the key in the ignition. I don't have the power to go outside and get myself running 60 miles an hour. But with this little key, I can. So let's look at Matthew 16, verse 19. Matthew 16, verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be losed in heaven. So there's a, a great tie-in with the key. But let's let's go a little further here. Let's let's go to Romans twelve. Romans twelve, starting at verse one. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this so much to ask? Is God asking more from us than what is unrealistic? 
No. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know that God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect this is really is. As God's messenger, I give you, each of you, this warning. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value of how, how much faith God has given you. Well, that's key there. Be honest in your estimate of yourselves. Don't put yourself above others. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the Christ's body. We all have body We all have parts of this one body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to to each other, and each of us needs all the others. I was cutting a tree down yesterday, and I didn't realize it at the time. But I must have sprained my thumb. Now, I'm a big guy. What does the thumb weigh? Eight ounces? I don't know. But when I got done playing Mountain Jack, I went back in. I was working on the computer, putting together my my notes. And I tried to move the mouse, and it hurt. Just this little thing right here slowed down this big body and everything that I could do. If this feels good, then the rest of the body is going to feel good. We are one body. One, many parts of one body. Verse 6. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out. When you have faith that God is speaking through you. Now there's a preference there. Don't just speak out. Have faith that God is speaking to you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is encouraging, encouraging others, do it. If you have money, share generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility serious. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Okay, I am not a hugger, but I'll tell you one thing, I came to this church for years and got warned by a little lady sitting in the front row over here almost with that hug. Can anybody hug better than Hazel? Do you feel when you come in and you get a hug from Hazel? Does that warm you? Does that give you a good feeling about coming to church? Is that part of worship? Absolutely. Now, I've never seen Hazel up in front, and I'm not saying she hasn't. But she, that was a very important function of this church, of making people feel welcome. Don't anybody raise your hand, but how many of you have been to a church when you walk in and no one said hi to you or shook your hand? I have, and it's not always a good experience going. You don't feel like you want to go and worship again. 
going back to verse 10, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be glad for, the, for all God has planning for you. Be patient in trouble and always be prayerful. That's important. Always be prayerful. Keep a song in your heart. That's why that when I heard that song that I played today, Loving God, Loving Each Other, throughout the day, these songs pop into my head. And I just say, thank you, Lord, for giving that, me that ability to recall them. I can't recall names, but I can recall songs. And it's such an inspiration for me. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out and get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. If people persecute you because you are a Christian, don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. When others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Live in harmony with each other. Don't try to act important, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. I work with a know-it-all. It ain't fun. (laughs) I'm not special there either. (laughs) Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are, are, are honorable. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Now that's an important text to me. I'm reading from the New Living Testament, as some of you are wondering and trying to follow along. In the New International Version, verse 18 is, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. And in the King James Version it says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Does everybody you know now, I, I gotta, if I had a hat, I'd have taken it off to John today. And in his remarks at Sabbath school, and if you weren't here, you missed a good, a, a good sermonette, even though he said it wasn't a sermon. Um, he, he said, you know, I don't think I hate anybody. I don't think I have any enemies. And that's great. But here it says, do your part to live in peace with, with everyone. But I like that it's got as much as possible. It's not saying that if you can't get along with everybody, you don't stand a snowball's chance. But make every effort to be peace-loving. Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Leave that to God, for it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. Instead, do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And, if they, and they will be ashamed of what they have done to you. Don't let evil get the best of you, but conquer evil by doing good. There's an old saying, keep your friends close. And your enemies closer. 
1 Corinthians 12.4, it says, Now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service to the church, but it is the same Lord we are serving. In verse 6, there are different ways God works in our lives, but it is the same God who does the work through all of us. So in here, 1 Corinthians 12, is it talking about, okay, if you want to be really good, you have to be a pastor. And then you can be an elder, and then you can be a deacon, and then, no. It's saying there are many gifts. If we all had the same gift, there'd be people fighting every week to get up in front and teach, and to get up in front and preach. But then who's going to be out in the foyer giving that special hug? No one. Ephesians 6, 10 to 20. And I'm not going to go there, but that is really interesting about more talking about the gifts of each one of us having. And Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. Verse 19. I like this because everyone knows who Paul is. Paul wrote more books in the Bible than anyone else. He started out his life as Saul, then became Paul, was one of the most powerful preachers. And we talked about it in Sabbath school today. Paul, I don't remember where, but he says, Paul, I die daily, meaning he got on his knees and he prayed for forgiveness of what he had done for the day. And in Ephesians 6.19, it says here, he's finishing up what he's talking about here with, with gifts, and it says, and pray for me. He's the leader. People are coming to see him, and he's saying, no, pray for me. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan. For the good news is for the Gentiles too. So here's, here's the leader, and he's saying, I need your prayers as well. I don't know how many of you know uh, Pastor Oaks. Uh, he just moved up to Green Bay and is pastoring up there. And uh, I get the, their newsletter. And uh, he started a, a series, and uh, I emailed him and asked him if I could use one of the stories that he used for the first part. The loving church community, our primary purpose, the most powerful argument for the truth of the gospel is love. This is a very simple yet profound statement. Our own experiences tell us that it is true. Listen to what Jesus said. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's John thirteen thirty five. <clears throat> now we're into his story. When I come across two or more people in the church that are disagreeing and holding their accompanying grudges, 
I must come to the conclusion that they don't care. They don't care if people come to know Christ because they are preventing it. Their example of what a Christian is supposed to be is far from what God would have them for, have them for us. And it's the body, it injures the body because they appear to be devoted more to themselves than the community. If we understand that it is the purpose of the church to produce people that love God and that love one another, then we will realize we must change our prideful ways. A modern interpretation of Proverbs 17.17, the message is the, the translation, Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Shouldn't we remain friends even if we disagree? Even when someone steps on our toes? When you don't see exactly eye to eye? When tough times come, don't families stick together and support one another no matter what trouble comes your way? Don't you feel blessed when a friend loves you? They smile when you show up. They support us. They stand by us. They accept us instead of criticizing and judging us and let us be ourselves. We like friends like this. And when it is consistent, it is powerful testimony to watching the world that God has among us. So what is the purpose? Our purpose is not to produce impressive buildings. It is not our purpose to produce well-reasoned theological statements. It is not our purpose to make inspiring music and, and possess well-run organizations, but I think those are important. These are our great, idea, great things and can be helpful, but they are not the main thing. What distinguishes us from the rest is that we are devoted to being a part of a loving community. What he's saying here so far it's okay to disagree, but find common ground, basically. Years ago in the Seattle Special Olympics, nine contestants, all physically or mentally challenged, assembled at the starting line for a 100-yard dash. At the gun, the contestants all started out, not exactly in a dash, but with a relish to run their race to the finish and win. All it is except one boy who stumbled on the track, tripped, rolled over a couple times, and began to cry. The others who were running ahead of the boy heard him crying as they slowed down and looked back at him. Then they all turned around and went back, every one of them. One girl with Down syndrome bent down, kissed him, and said, This will make it better. Then all nine linked arms and walked together to the finish line. Everyone in the stadium stood and cheered for over ten minutes. People who were there still talk about what happened. Why? Because deep down, we know this one thing that matters in this life is more than just winning. What truly matters is being a loving community where we all win by finishing together. Worshiping and finishing the race together, that is Christian worship. Ellen White wrote these words, Under the education and discipline of the Holy Spirit, the children of God love one another, truly, sincerely, affectionately, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And this because the, and this because the heart is in love with Jesus. Our affection for one another springs from our common relation to God. We are one family. 
We love one another or something impressive about a community who lives like this. If we can get together, other people will come and say, hey, they've got something over there. Let's see what's going on. But if they come over, then there's bickering going on. You know, the holiday seasons are coming up. How many of you been to an aunt and her uncle's place? And I see smiles already, and not everybody is getting along. Isn't that just a great Thursday, Thanksgiving Day treat? You just can't wait till next year to see who's going to be the first one to smart off. Well, that does have some interesting sidelines to it. It's not what you really want. And that's not what we need here in church. The key doesn't make the power of the engine. It starts and releases the power of the engine. When we praise and worship together in harmony, this means we are completely dependent upon his power to give us the kindness, respect, and Christian love for one another. His keys are our gifts. <clears throat> his keys don't fit upon our, our command for our own personal gain, but for the gain of his glory. What, kind of, what good are, are God's keys if we don't unlock the church door? What good are God's keys if we never receive the power to use them? Let's open the gift of our worship and praise. The, the life of each other of us depends on it. All God's gifts are important. We do need a day each week to rest from the hustle and bustle of our daily lives, to rest our mind, our body, and soul, and to spend time with each other in worship, praise, song, study, and prayer. That's what true church and worship is about. Don't we need those benefits? Of everything God has given us, what was the first gift that God gave to man? The Sabbath. A day of rest. A day of celebration and worship. A day to come together in peace, harmony, comfort, security, and Christian love. It makes no difference. You are the first fiddle, second fiddle, third fiddle. What does make the difference is that you are there and using all the gifts that God has given you to glorify him. As I'm traveling around, I I like reading billboards, and I saw this billboard for a church going down to the Dells. Maybe you guys saw it down there. Life is messy. Come as you are. And I added to it, be prepared to worship our God. Lord, be with each one of us today as we leave here. Give us safe journeys. And be with each one of us until we come back here to meet together again and to worship you. I pray in your name. Amen.